Coca, su naray, su naray en ti. 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 Hello, hi. Welcome to this new episode of the Mango TV podcast. Today we have again Matteo Norzi. Matteo is an artist, designer, filmmaker, and indigenous rights activist. His explorative artistic practice took him through several extensive journeys along six continents. His art has been supported by institutions such as Art in General New York, Headland Center for the Arts in California, Spinola Banna Foundation for the Arts Italy, As part of the collaborative duo Isola Norzi, he has exhibited internationally at venues such as Artistic Space New York, Gam Turin, NMM Monaco, David Roberts Art Foundation in London, Fondazione Bevilacqua La Masa in Venice, Museum Bosen and Fondazione Sandretto um, Re Rebaudengo. His critically acclaimed directorial debut, the feature film Icaros, A Vision, co-directed with Leonor Caraballo, premiered in competition at the 2016 Tribeca Film Festival, bringing with him years of personal experience and extensive research on Amazonian history and culture. Matteo is co-founder and currently serving as the executive director of the Shipi Boconibo Center. Welcome, Matteo. Hey, Giancarlo. Thank you so much for the introduction. It feels like all life, you know, flashing in front of you before something <laughs> happening. It's nice. It's nice to see you. Thank you for coming back. People can go and check a previous episode with Matteo. Today, I would like to go a little bit deeper on, on ayahuasca, on uh, medicalization of ayahuasca and psychedelic in general, about integration. But let's start. First thing first, tell us a little bit more about your relationship with the Shipibo and and you know who they are why why they're so important in general and for you what's their cosmovision stuff like that yeah so i was lucky enough to meet with the people in 2011 for the first time you know in a moment in time in which so many people from the west were kind of already feeling uh, uh, this attraction for uh, the americas the indigenous people and their prophecies i guess it was a, a turning point for many of us At the same time, it was basically the beginning of uh, spiritual tourism. So it's kind of like looking back now, almost like 14 years later, and it, is, uh, it was a very different scenario than it is now. So I went there for the first time, uh, like lost in my first major uh, midlife crisis. And uh, with no experience whatsoever with other kind of psychedelics, I, you know, together with my dear friend, Leonor Caraballo, we went there to drink ayahuasca. And that's how this uh, uh, journey began for, for me. And it's, since then, it never ended yet. I'm still involved uh, every day with uh, Shipibo ideas and activism and uh, healers and artists and so on. But what, 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 what touched you about them specifically? Why you decide to devote your life in creating a Shipibo Center in New York and representing their artists and stuff like look, that? Look, uh, the thing that struck me the most is the sophistication of their culture, you know, which is so much uh, well expressed by the designs, you know, of Kene, of these like sacred patterns that the Shipibo artists adopt and paint and 
you know, and that is kind of like a symbol of this incredible sophistication that extends to an, a unique understanding of the human condition. So, you know, for me, it became a, a personal journey at the same time, also in parallel, you know, a very social public uh, journey and, and, and became a form of, uh, to find a service, you know, to a way to give service with my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so, but so, when you say um, vision of the of the human condition, can you can you summarize it? Can you explain it? What you know? I imagine that, like most of these indigenous culture, they have this concept of animism, right? Which yeah, everything is connected. The 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 the, the river is my brother. But can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. So basically, I want to start by the patterns, you know, because I think that's the, the key, you know, entrance. You know, you need to see, you know, this very sophisticated culture that has no other kind of written language and decides to cover everything with Shipibo design. So, you know, so, so many people, you know, uh, they've been asking themselves, so w- what do they mean? You know, what is this all about? And I think in, in the quest for these answers, you know, it's a good way to uh, reply to your question. So basically, I think there are three levels of, uh, of understand of three different ways to understand the patterns. One is a, like let's say aesthetic. You know, the Shipibo express this beauty that is the beauty of, of of the energy of life growing. So, you know, they cover everything with these designs exactly like, you know, the, a tree is spreading out uh, its uh, branches to capture the sun or let's say a colony of moss is covering uh, a stone, you know, this very uh, same idea of uh, life displaying itself in space. And that the beauty that is uh, kind of like uh, associated with it, it's a, a way to understand the statics of the Shipibo. Mm-hmm. The second element, which is uh, the one that brings you uh, back to uh, talking about ayahuasca, it is the synesthetic dimension. So the Shipibo declare with these designs the existence of a dimension in which sound can become vision. You know, sound signals can pop up as little dots of color, you know. And so, you know, it's kind of like a a testimony of uh, the existence of this realm, you know, that can be accessed with plant medicines and other means. And then the third one that for me is the most important, really, is an ethical dimension. So the patterns are also a visual manifesto for indigenous ethics. And, you know, and this ethics talks about reciprocity and also service, to use a, a word I already mentioned, you know, it's, a, it's kind of like a, 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 a compromise to sacrifice the ego to put yourself at the service of kin. But then this kin extends beyond the human, extends to animal, to plant, to river, to the forest, and all of a sudden, you know, you have a way to understand the animism in a way that is useful to the address the climate catastrophes that we're living, you know. So it's almost like a, a spiritual understanding of ecology that uh, basically uh, gives you new tools to imagine uh, ecological solutions that are not anthropo 
centric, you know. And so in that sense, uh, I feel that uh, uh, Shipibo ideas are very relevant for, for, the, for the future. And so, again, uh, besides the, the, the need of putting myself at service to solve my own personal uh, uh, issues, you know, as many others do, you know, you find something that is so relevant maybe for the future of my own kids, you know, and the next generation. So all that together became for me some sort of like mission. And now I have a strong reason to wake up in the morning, which is, you know, bringing forward the mission of the organization that I direct, the Shikibokonibo Center. Beautiful. But so on the principle number two, the, the, the synesthesia where, you know, like you can see color and hear, you, you can hear color and see notes, and you say it's, it's like a different realm, but can you elaborate a little bit? What do you mean by, by different realm? So uh, here we talk about healing and medicine. So uh, the Shipibo have these technologies that are a mixture of uh, substances that they ingest and uh, uh, actions that the healers adopt that include uh, uh, singing and the, the use of perfume and uh, of other devices that in combination, they uh, lead to access a dimension of the mind in which transformation is possible. So basically, uh, it is uh, exactly like there is, I don't know, the, um, a disease that can be intended as psychosomatic. The people kind of like master a psychosomatic medicine. So something that through you know, the mind is able to trigger transformation in the body and or at least a level of awareness in the body that is very hard to access otherwise uh, so uh, you know that is a synesthetic space and uh, they believe uh, the shipibo that when you are sick your designs lost uh, order so the work of the healer is to unravel them and replace them with orderly ones uh, you know, and so much of us, you know, can understand this as a metaphor, but, you know, it's probably even something more than a metaphor. It's really a condition of the nervous system, of, of the lymphatic system, of, and, you know, and whenever your body is stressed, you know, more than usual because of the psychedelic experience, so the stiff points in the system are made evident. So, and in that sense, it becomes also a diagnostic tool uh, of a self-diagnostic tool to understand, for example, where your body needs to be uh, taken care of. And so the healing happens on, a, on an energetic frequency level. Yeah. So basically, then I want to remind that, uh, you know, the, the drinking of ayahuasca for the patient is something relatively recent. You know, ayahuasca mm. is really a medicine that the doctor drinks, not the patient. So it mm. is more like a, a spiritual x-ray or a diagnostic tool that mm. uh, the shaman adopts in order to see where your issues are, you know, where you store pain. You know, many of, our, many of us have maybe, I don't know, back pain, chronic back pain. But that is probably has a, often a psychological origin, you know. Maybe we were not able to overcome a grief that happened at some point in our life. And so we kind of take that pain and store it in that place. 
So ba- basically, you know, uh, the idea of the patient drinking ayahuasca is quite a recent one. You know, so the, the shaman basically take ayahuasca to access this energetic field that you mentioned in order to see where your physical issue uh, lays. You know, many of us have a, a back pain of like chronic pain for, and often we, we go to the orthopedic, you know, and somehow maybe that is instead a consequence of grief or some other trauma and we store that pain in the body and you know and the west fails to understand that by dividing the body in different organs and compartments and the people that have this wisdom of uh, addressing issue as they were part of a whole so you know uh, holistically so you know wh- whenever there is i don't know there is no distinction between mind and body in the same way that we we, we could try to dis- distinguish them with our understanding of western medicine so this is just like a, an example of what i was i mean with uh, psychosomatic medicine or treatment you know when i talk about ayahuasca yes but i'm very curious sorry to be so specific but i understand the spiritual x-ray but then once the um you know uh, the pain the the the, concent- the the psychological knots the concentration has been fined either in your stomach or in your back you know as a consequence of stored trauma then how to the best of you know maybe we don't even have the language to explain but how would you i understand the diagnosis but then how is the therapy well that's a good question you know usually the therapy the- includes other plants beyond ayahuasca. Mm. So, you know, in order to become a healer, you know, uh, uh, people practitioners, they go through uh, long plant diets, you know, and then they tell you, you know, I learn the properties of the plant from the plant themselves. And many of us keep on asking, what does that mean? And I think the solution is, it's kind of like simpler than we can possibly, you know, you know, phantom. It is simply because if you take a plant and you are very self-aware of your body and you feel that that plant is kind of like having an effect on your liver, all of a sudden you know that when somebody else also has a liver problem, you know, might want to try to take that plant to, to, to solve that issue. So, uh, you know, usually ayahuasca is a diagnostic tool. And then after the, the issue is uh, identified, you know, the patient is given different plants in order to treat it. Yeah, this is super interesting and is widely misunderstood in the West. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it is. At the same time, ayahuasca is also a self-diagnostic tool. And often, since we've mentioned that some of these issues are psychological, just by knowing that you are storing pain in your back, you might have access to ways to release it. So, you know, I, now I contradict myself. You, ayahuasca is a, is, a, is a diagnostic tool, but it can also be a medicine because by being aware of what you have, then you access ways to release it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very clear. It's very clear. Okay, so, you know, I had on the podcast uh, Ben Delonen from IC Ears. And like you, he's done a lot of healing with the, with the Shipibo. He calls them um, energetic surgeon. And um, and he says that you know in the West now that we me- medicalize those plants you know mushroom maybe first but 
DMT, there's all this trial to to uh, medicalize uh, this compound. You know, we believe that it's a it's a it's an object. It's like a pill, but the reality is that this is medicine. is not a, an object. It's a process, and it takes the Shipibo a long time to use this medicine because he actually they needs to go back in your ancestry. They work on your family line. Do you resonate with this uh, description? And can you maybe comment and elaborate on that? Yeah. So let's say that, uh, first of all, ayahuasca is a way to access your subconscious. So it's interesting to understand how the Shipibo, for example, intend uh, the subconscious, how they talk about it. So for them, the subconscious is a flooded dimension, like, you know, the flooded forest of the Amazon is an underworld that is submerged. You know, it's kind of like made of water. So it's a mental space that is murky. And it's like a riverbed. It's also profuse of dangerous creatures, you know, like monsters and, and uh, uh, you know, that uh, kind of live in darkness and lurks within. But at the same time, it's also a, a source of knowledge where only the most powerful shamans can uh, dive into, you know, in order to uh, draw the solutions for uh, others in, in their community. So basically, everyone carries around their own demons, you know, exactly like, you know, in our understanding of subconscious, you know, there is this space of the mind in which, you know, these uh, creatures and entities live w- with us. But at the same time, it also the space where the ancestors lived. So you were talking about ancestral trauma. So it's it's also the place in which the wisdom of the ancestors continue to resonate. You know, and when I talk about resonate, I I like to make it uh, appear like a vibration that keep on spreading generation after generation. So it is really, you know, a place in which uh, the voice of, 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 of the people who precede us keep on, you know, echoing, you know. And and for them, these are the Shipibo of the mind, are like idealistic figures, you know, that uh, have like incredible manners and beautiful designs and live in harmony with, uh, with nature. So it's kind of like for them themselves, it is a space of, uh, with an idealistic view of indigeneity, you know, that is no longer part of, of the everyday life, but at the same time, it is a space to strive towards. So I go back and close the loop and talk about the ethical aspect. So, you know, in this space of the mind in which the ancestor lives is also where the Shipibo, in a circular uh, idea of time, uh, draw upon to imagine their own future. You know, and to kind of like teach to the gen- next generation the uh, ethical behaviors and, and, and for their own future. And this is all somehow what uh, a Shipibo feels every time that sees a Shipibo pattern. You know, it's like a visual manifesto of this connection with the past and this compromise to uh, implement it in the future. So, uh, you know, I don't know exactly if I answer to your question, but what I want to say is that uh, this uh, subconscious, it, it becomes a place in which you can dive into in specific moment of your life when you need to 
uh, overcome some personal issue, you know. So let's say, if to use a Western word, you know, when you have a mental health problem, you dive, you know, like a scuba diver with the uh, with a shaman that holds your hand, go down and see these like sea creatures, interact with them, and hopefully try to solve. Uh, 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 an issue that you have with them and you come on the other side exactly like it happened to me at the service of something larger than yourself because so often the personal problem finds solution in the community in putting yourself you know uh, feeling yourself as part of something bigger than yourself and for the people that is very evident and I think many of us who go to the Amazon to drink ayahuasca can 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 uh, confirm you know that so often they go there they are so much caught up with their own problems and they come the other the other side with, I don't know with a new ecological understanding with a new social uh, instinct with, with the idea of giving you know and all of a sudden you know the ayahuasca makes you feel that you are part of something bigger than than than, than yourself and your clan. But so let's see with a specific example. So imagine a little boy who's, uh, you know, is like six, seven, eight, and the mother leaves the household because it's too much for her. She was not equipped to be a mother. And then he ends up a series of, uh, you know, conflictual and destructive relationship. And, you know, this little boy heart keep on closing, 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 and he's not equipped to have a loving relationship. And he goes through a series of, you know, destructive relationship. He's cannot have a girlfriend, cannot open his heart, and he wants to address this. So so the Shipibo, you know, takes the ayahuasca, do the spiritual x-ray, and see in the murky river of the boy subconscious all this pain and the demons of his childhood that, you know, was not allowed to interact healthily and 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 and, and um that was that was not equipped to in, to to open his heart and to be vulnerable with another woman. So what's who does the work? How does the how does the Shipibo deals with those monster of this boy childhood? Yeah, I mean a quick answer is with love. So and I'm gonna kind of like uh, elaborate. So let's say that ayahuasca brings you exactly where you need to go you know that's the power of the medicine so you drink this little boy drinks ayahuasca and goes in the first ceremony in the amazon and he's in front of his biggest fear the traumatic experience you know it's an exploration of his own emotional memory and he's reliving the moment in which you know some specific situation generated this uh, trauma however in this moment, he's not alone. The shaman is next to him, is singing to him a song of courage, is spreading the perfume of flowers, and it is uh, expressing uh, universal love and empathy. So all of a sudden, you know, this uh, traumatic memory gets reprojected over, uh, rewired over a new experience that is also so intense because, you know, this boy maybe uh, was drinking ayahuasca the first time. And I, I always mention that the first uh, ceremonies are much more powerful than any other you're going to have in your life. So, and, and in that sense, you know, that memory is 
overwritten with a new one in which there is this song of love, this sense of belonging, you know, this idea of being part of a community. And he wakes up after the ceremony and he's made aware of the trauma that he's his mind had removed and not only that his only there is a different temperature around it a different mood and all of a sudden it's not so uh, threatening to him and so he can use it through integration and you know and other uh, tools to make it evident and worked out and, and I, I, often you know the, the problem can be addressed uh, in a new way But so let me ask you this. Um, you said that when the, this subconscious painful material is, is, is highlighted and brought to the surface, then the, the shaman channeled this, you call it, you know, cosmic love and cosmic empathy. Yeah. But so where is that coming from? That's a universal force of the universe that they channel like a channeler. Of course, I mean the the, the the love exists. You know, the the Shipibo they they themselves drink ayahuasca while they're curious, so they access this this uh, uh, feeling of the energy of uh, life from the cosmos. From the cosmos, I mean, they say to use their own words, they say shipibo designs appear in every level of the cosmos you know you can see them on the shell of an egg if you look very carefully you can see them in the sky of the milky way so you know there is this kind of like parallelism in between the order in nature and the order of of that is required in order to have a healthy life inside our own our, our own mind So I go back to that kind of like beautiful metaphor, you know, when you have an issue, you lost the order of your patterns. So the work of the shaman is to draw them again with new orderly patterns. But these patterns obviously pre-exist, you know, they, they, they exist, uh, you know, in all levels of nature and in all expressions of uh, organic life. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you can say that love in a way, might be synonymous of consciousness. And now this new quantum physicist, they are like proposing a new way to look at the structure of reality, including consciousness as a basic pillar with time and space. So what I'm trying to discuss with you is that, is it possible that it's a, it's a spiritual exercise? They're bringing down something from a different world yeah it's a, it's a it's a way to access source so this, this is another interesting stuff you know so the ship people they kind of like uh, cherish a golden age uh, I, i mentioned before in which the ancestors were dressing so elegantly and they were living in harmony with nature and then they kind of like lament uh, uh, the current time as a, as a moment in which you know these uh, incredible uh, uh, customs uh, are no longer available. However, they also say that through plant medicine, you can access that uh, space of the mind in which all these things are still existing. So basically, it is not simply a question of tradition or 
loss in tradition, it is a question of storing uh, precious charged knowledge in a secure space from which through the shamanic journey you can access wisdom and almost download it, bring it back to this world. So there is no need of remember everything as long as you have the sonic key, they say, you know, it's a, it's a Nicaro, it's a song, the sonic key to open that source and then you can use whatever is inside at your disposal without obviously abusing it. There's always, you know, yeah. there's also tension in between abusing the power that plants give you. Yeah. So it's a spiritual practice. It's a spiritual practice. It, there is a, a world that is all covered with design that I think many of us who did uh, psychedelics can recognize as a portal that you can pass through in order to access your own emotional memory, but also, you know, your generational emotional memory, also the emotional memory of your, of your clan, you know, going back thousands of years. And when you access that, you know, the patterns kind of like open up and all of a sudden you have like very figurative visions, you know, with your, your grandmother or, you know, maybe some, some, some divinity or some spirit of a plant and all these entities then become uh, things that you can engage with, ask questions and receive novel answers. So I, I don't think the right question, if I understand well where you want to go, is that is this in my mind or it is this another uh, dimension altogether? I think there is no difference between these two realms because in our mind we have access to another dimension altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a, on a, on a, on a non-dual world, it's just a question of semantic. Exactly. Okay, so is it fair to say that you describe ayahuasca practice, but you know, if you if you look at Maria Sabina and uh, and the Aztec and people that have been working with the sacred magic mushroom, it's probably similar practice, right? Yeah. So that is what another. Str I mean, I work a lot with Shipibo artists, so I'm gonna like bring back the component of art. What is so striking about uh, the shamanic journey that is so ancient that links, you know, uh, cultures from the very different parts of the world, probably because it was the spiritual practice of Homo sapiens before it spread around the globe. You know, even back then, you know, they were kind of like using the shamanic journey to reach other worlds. And what is cinema? You know, say you're a producer, we, we did cinematic work together, you know. What is cinema if not another attempt to reach another world, you know, to imagine another, another world? The same for, you know, art, uh, a, a play or uh, art, uh, um, virtual reality. All these are just basically reiteration of the shamanic journey. And what is very fantastic of the Shipibo that maybe is not so evident in other culture that arts, healing arts and spirituality, they were all born from the hands of an herbalist, very mm -hmm. probably a woman that uh, creating this uh, tincture would uh, paint the design, but mm. also drink them. The word, the word tintura in Latin still keeps this... Uh, uh, interesting uh, ambiguity in between color and medicine. Interesting. And, and, and so the tincture, you know, the, the word is, the, the etymology of this word, we can 
kind of like see how there is no difference from the, let's say, the prequel of art, the prequel of spirituality, the prequel of medicine. It was all basically part of this uh, shamanic uh, space. That the shaman, for example, would journey to the other dimension to find the lost soul of a person that was uh, uh, sick. And if the shaman was successful in bringing back the soul, the patient would re re recover. If the shaman was unsuccessful, the patient would die. You know, and this is like very much uh, applies to uh, disease and how we can describe disease even today, you know, even in the setting of a hospital. Fascinating. Are you familiar with the um, magic mushroom? I'm not an expert. I, I, I had uh, done a few uh, magic mushroom trips by myself, but I need to say that uh, I, 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 I like to focus on uh, practices in which the compound goes also along with the work of the shaman. So you, 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 you mentioned Maria Sabina. I don't know much about their songs, but I feel that even in that uh, culture, it was not simply ingesting the, the, no, uh, the, the mushroom, but there was always also some singing or like playing drums involved in order to kind of like create a sonic ladder to reach this other dimension. Exactly, exactly. It's all about, no, it's not all about, but there is this component of other dimension to uh, download and access, you know, source or divinity. Um, so what do you think about, um, you know, MAPS is now, I, I think we just received the result of, um, of phase three of MDMA. So in the, in the, in the psychedelic business world, they say that, um, if they're going to turn MDMA into medicine in 2024, uh, next will be psilocybin in 2025. So the way that um, MAPS and other, you know, Compass is a multi-billion dollar company quoted in NASDAQ. They've been, they're doing clinical trial with mushroom all around the world. Um, so this medicine, this compound will become a medicine. And the way, the way that, You know, there's different model, but basically maps they are training a new generation of psychotherapists that will be will have the permission to give this mushroom to their patients. So people will not be able to buy themselves in the pharmacy, but you know, like like prescription drugs now. If you want Prozac, you have to go to the psychiatrist and they give you the the prescription and then you can buy it. Uh, for mushroom, maybe you can't even buy. You, you probably have to do it somewhere under the supervision of the of the therapist. But anyhow, the medicalization of mushroom is happening. There is a lot of clinical trial with fake ayahuasca. You know, they they find a way to uh, put ayahuasca in capsule. Uh, there was a barrier of of the impurity test from the um, FDA, but now that several companies have been working on that. So soon, that we, soon we will have also uh, ayahuasca pills. They're working on um, um, yes, ayahuasca pills. They're also working on uh, on DMT, Favimio DMT. So those compounds have been turned into medicine. So according to how you explain the way indigenous work with it, how do you see this transition into um, insurance backed? 
hospital doctor prescribing this medicine how do you that, how do you see that happening look i've been following this uh, this for a long time so i need to say that we got to an important point so i want to start with a positive note i think the strategy of of like uh, uh, medicalization uh, was uh, was good and i'm so happy that uh, these compounds are going to be made available so this is my first uh, response However, I think also we reach a point in which we need to start asking different questions, you know, because, you know, we kind of already secured it. You know, MDMA is going to be available, mushroom is next, ayahuasca is next. So, you know, what are the implications? You know, now I think the discourse needs to become a bit more uh, sophisticated. So, and the question is, how can the scientific method go about the takeover of the very ways of knowing whose dismissal from the real of truth-making vested its constitutional motive. So I want to say how we uh, now uh, use science to um, take upon the very uh, practices that it distinguished against, you know, in the beginning of its own uh, uh, invention. So, you know, they say, oh, no, those are charlatans, those are shamans, those are demons. You know, and now all of a sudden, science is taking over these very practices and compounds. But it's not. But it's not. You see, Matteo, this is my point. Basically, yeah. what they're talking about in this circle, and then we go to the part of integration, basically, in, 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 the, in, the, in the Western health system, they're not talking about downloading love from, from source. They're talking about resolving biographical material. Yeah, yeah. So they took spirit out completely. Correct. You know, for, the pharmaceutical company replaced the vegetal alkaloids with a synthetic lookalike. They patent them and they take this, the spirit away, you know. And then, you know, what, what do we have? You know, and, and again... But is it going to work? Is it going to work, you think? To me, it's not the... You know, I think it's the attitude of the West to find a, a fix. You know, it's again uh, going into that kind of like... Uh, space of, of mind in which you swallow the pill and you get the treatment and we keep on avoiding the, uh, what we start uh, this conversation uh, from talking about the process talking about the mess and scene uh, of the ceremony you know I, I, I invite my my friends to go to the amazon to drink ayahuasca in place of like just drinking in the u.s because the sound of the jungle the fact that you are displaced the fact that you are placed in a, in a new environment in which alone maybe in which you need to kind of like uh, reinvent a way to take care of yourself all these aspects including the very non-scientific work of the shaman the songs that the shaman uh, sings in order to ride the energy of the moment none of this can be replicated you know, in the in the doctor office uh, in a city like uh, New York or London so I think we are going to, again, imagine something that is like uh, attractive uh, as uh, discovering uh, America, you know, the discovery theory is driving enthusiasm, but at the same time, we uh, commit again an epistemicide, you know, we are killing system of knowledges at the same time because we exclude them from the places in which... Uh, uh, this can generate wealth and, 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 and can contaminate with other systems of knowledges. Indigenous practitioners are once again left aside. And in the US, 
you know, in this very moment, you know, as we, for example, start uh, using magic mushroom in a medical setting, we have plenty of Native American communities struggling with alcoholism, having lost access to the very medicines that they told us about. Yes, yes, yes. I think we need to do a third episode about, you know, uh, appropriation, colonialism, and reciprocity. That's another big topic. But I would like to stay on the... um, I would like to stay on the healing part with or without shaman because it is true and we, you know, I've done it many times, you know, even um, mushroom or even LSD uh, on my own during the night, it can be, it can look in many different ways, but in the morning, there's always this clarity, and so, you know, science says that, you know, the tryptamine, so the psilocybin, LSD, mescaline, um, the DMT, they basically reduce the default mode network, the activity of the default mode network, which is associated to your biographical material. You know, like Michael Pollan called it the, the egoic armor. So it is true that you go towards a dampening of your ego and so in the morning, without all the story of who you think you are, you feel free from those trauma, those childhood trauma of that boy who created the story of, I cannot love because I've never been loved. So it's true that the benefits remain. But my question is this. I think that I also agree that this medicalization is super welcome and it's going to alleviate a lot of suffering. What I would like to discuss now is, um, as you might know, there is, you know, around this business of psychedelic, there's a lot of, you know, group, association, individual that are now offering integration. Um, So what does it look like, integration? Now, I'm going to do a course myself to, to, it's it's, it's an integration course for for facilitators that want to, to help patients integrate. So I had a couple of people on the podcast and I'm asking and I'm listening. And, you know, of course, you hear a lot of very good idea on, on, on how to integrate, how to create space, how to stay with the clarity, how to address, uh, how to develop better habits that preserve the feeling. There's lots of different, uh, very good idea, but they are all centered around integrating the biographical material that has been revealed. This idea, which I think was the third principle from the Shipibo, this idea of ethical behavior and feel connected to other. I mean, maybe you can also receive that. But, you know, what I'm trying to say is that I ask some of this integrator, if you want, um, what do you do when people have an encounter with the, with the, um, with another being, with an entity, with a monster. Um, how do you, you know, we don't have the ontology to understand that, to understand that, you know, we live on a, on a, our scientific framework is based on a secular materialism on, 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 on this idea that, you know, the universe is this big gigantic clock that there is no source. There is no, there's not spirit. So, you know, it's funny because how do you, it's such a contradiction in terms for me, 
where you know you have this white western man that go to the amazon take this plant medicalize them because it's good for our mental issue but then the moment that there is spirit that emerge under the form of different entity or or interdimensional beings then at that moment all this integration specialists they say oh this is not for me this is the shaman responsibility but so how crazy it is you take a practice which is ultimately created around spirit as we discussed in the first 25 minutes of this conversation you medicalize it you integrate it in the west then you you integrate the effect and when the main one of the main pillar of the old practice emerged then you go back to the amazon it, it's there is something not flowing in this approach Totally, totally. I mean, and you know, our society is kind of like also divides what can be scientifically measured, and then on the other side there is faith, you know, for for the, whoever has it, you know. And instead, you know, here we are talking about experience. So, and and that's why I think integration, even if it is not really part of the understanding of, of the Shipibo, I think it's a great add-on and it becomes a big tool because it, as you will say, there is an ontological clash or at least, you know, in between that world of experience in which, you know, you dive in a, in a dimension in which, you know, things that you experience, you don't have the tools to measure or you don't have the tools uh, to believe, you know? So, so you need to kind of like, stay with the mystery also somehow you know and and uh, and since the mystery is so unsettling you know because become, becomes another question so i i feel that uh, uh, there is the need of uh, uh, grounding yourself back to reality especially if you do not decide to leave your uh, lifestyle behind but you want to go back to the very society that unbalanced you to begin with, because that's the other question. You know, integration is a, a tool of the system again. You know, you go to drink ayahuasca, then you, you feel that you want to uh, cut off uh, with the, all your uh, basically previous life, but at the same time, you are forced by socially, by the fa- family, by, by, by relationships to go back. So you need to kind of like uh, do this exercise in translation, you know, a, a, another person would say, okay, after this experience, I don't believe in capitalism anymore. And I, I want to basically be part of a different kind of society that lives more integrated with nature. You know, that, that's real, the feeling that we all have after, after these experiences. And then since we drag ourselves back to the life that we know, you know, there is a beautiful uh, quote by Alighiero Boetti, this Italian artist, leave the certain for the uncertain. You know, are we really ready to do that? You know, uh, that's the question. And I, I go back, uh, you know, to talk a little bit about uh, microdosing versus uh, high doses. You know, many people praise microdosing and I, I feel also that there is a, some positive uh, outcome when you do it. But these are like transformative tools. So they need to trigger something that shakes you profoundly, you know, you know, and in that sense, you know, even if, yes, you can take mushroom by yourself, and I'm sure that after, you know, a while you also build some experience in how to do that. So I don't want to say that it is impossible to benefit from drinking mushroom. However, the setting of a ceremony in which you come together, in which you 
follow the guidance of somebody that has more experience than yourself. And there is also, you know, this love that was mentioning, somebody singing a song of love, you know, and, and belonging. I think all those tools together, they guide you more directly to where you need to go. Let's say that no matter what, after you d- d- take mushroom, after four hours, you are a cast on an island and you are like enjoying the bliss of this of the beach however with the shaman you can have a journey that has a captain you know without you are adrift you know you are going around the waves of 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 the night you know and maybe you can see some stars for yourself and yes you are going to end up anyway safe on the beach you know enjoying the morning sun but i feel that if you are guided you know you are gonna kind of like take much more from this experience and it's gonna it's gonna kind of like go directly where you need to go and be less chaotic and sometimes also less frightening if you uh, take a, a high dose yes yes that's a good metaphor of the captain i think alan watts says that the psychedelic is like a boat that take you on the other side of the river but then once you're on the other side the journey continue on foot yeah and this 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 idea of having a captain that you know leave you in the right place on the other side of the river it's it's a good metaphor but allow me to dig a little bit more on this idea of of spirituality do you ever had in your personal journey like a, a mystical experience yeah i mean, i was grew up as a monotheist you know i have my father is jew my mother is christian and you know and one one of the things that was always given for granted there was this one god you know and then you know when I, I i went to into the ayahuasca world for the first time i found myself in front of the mirror so now i do not believe in monotheism not because i want to be uh, uh, against uh, religion simply because i experienced the multiplicity of the mystical experience. I've seen how many different beings and manifestations they, they exist in the world of spirit. So for, for me now, it's not even a question of faith anymore. I mean, I can accept that maybe there is a God or a force that is stronger than any, any, anything else. But at the same time, because of the mystical experience, I kind of like open to a space of the mind in which I can function without having all the answers, you know, in which mystery is something that I kind of like keep in my heart and, and, and go to, you know, every time that I need, you know, I kind of like go back to that world that is not so clear cut in which there is space for not understanding completely, for understanding the human condition as something very limited in a huge universe. And actually, if that maybe used to frighten me, now it gives me comfort because uh, I kind of like know that I can go back and linger with that sense of being a limited intelligence in a universe in which intelligence manifests in many different uh, forms. Nice, nice. You mentioned source, but so how does the concept of source and the concept of spirit world interact for yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, uh, the she people talk about uh, uh, the world of the spirit as a dimension that is all covered with uh, sacred geometries. So it is also, you know, the ancestral past. It is also the future you need to strive towards 
it is uh, basically a space that you can access to find out where you need to go as a person, you know, how to design uh, your own destiny also, you know. So I, I don't know exactly how to explain it. It's another parallel dimension. Maybe, maybe it is also, you know, manifesting somewhere in the in the universe as a parallel dimension. Maybe there is a, a way to enter a, a portal and reach that dimension without living with your body earth. I don't know exactly where this locates, but I know that uh, the idea that I can keep on going back to ayahuasca to access it gives me comfort. And I know that so many other times in my life, I'm going to be able to do that in order to kind of like solve my mental issues of the moment, you know? So I don't think, you know, drinking ayahuasca is a conclusion of a path. But I think it's a great tool and I think it is important to respect it as something you can go back to whenever you need it the most without abusing it. Okay, forgive me. I'm, I'm going to ask one last question about this. Do you feel that in order to access the spirit world, in order to maximize, I mean, that's a, such a Western concept, but um, do you think that there is a, you know, like an athlete that goes to the Olympic, right? You know, he, the outcome is the training. Can you prepare in a way that would improve the outcome of your journey with the diet, with the meditation? Of course. I mean, diet is fundamental because, you know, otherwise you end up like throwing up excessively in the maloca and, and the discomfort in the body takes away from the experience. So arriving to the journey with like a healthy body, I think is fundamental. That's number one. The other thing that I like to mention that works for me, you know, that especially because I feel that ayahuasca so much about the energy of the life growing, you know, I feel that if in our own world, the parent take care of the children, you know, and some sometimes, you know, give them access to privilege or to, you know, to their own lifestyle and, and, and education. I feel that in the spirit world is the opposite. The children protect the parent. So, for example, I think about my kids, you know, before going into the Maloka, and I feel they're like protective forces uh, for me, you know, because I kind of like... Uh, for me, it was such a difficult decision, the one of becoming a parent. But ayahuasca played a big role in that. You know, it gave me the courage and now it gives me also the grounding to surpass my own mental issue because I know that uh, these uh, spiritual beings, you know, these like the children that I have in my life are there also to light me up, to make me feel uh, less uh, problems and so on. So I think you can prepare by setting up an intention and an intention is exactly like a mantra it's something that uh, you need to have there as something you can repeat in a moment in which you feel lost so it might happen that you don't feel lost in the journey i wish you only happy journeys but if there is a moment in which all of a sudden you don't know where you are or you feel very much out of place remember two things the first one is that you you, you had the medicine so it's not just like you are going crazy you always need to remember that you just had drink the medicine the second one is your intentions why you did it 
if you enter that space casually, you know, it might be that you don't have that tool to grab upon, you know, in a moment of need. So the intention helps you so much when you are kind of like lost in the chaos of the psychedelic experience. You can grab onto it and, and you know, and refine yourself, you know, refine your balance and then, you know, open up to go where the journey needs to take you. Sorry, I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> I'm picking your brain. But so, for example, in the DMT world, you know, without the ayahuasca, when you just smoke the, the DMT, it's quite interesting because I heard quite opposite outcome. You know, some people would feel welcome by the DMT entities. You know, Terence McKenna would call them, you know, the machine elves. And some people, many people that I know, they felt not welcome at all. You know, they felt like, you know, don't come back. You don't belong here. And some people feel calm, calm. How do you explain that? I mean, I don't know, but I have a trick that I learned from the ship people. You know, whenever you meet an entity, you need to engage with them. You need to be proactive. Let's say that you go to an island uh, where there is a population that you don't know. The first thing you need to, you need to kind of like express that you are coming in peace. So, you know, so you need to do that. You know, because these 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 uh, people don't know who you are in that moment. Also, so it's very important to present yourself and to to say, "I can I come in?" And then you know, if they let you get closer, then you say, "Please welcome closer to me. I'm not a threat for you. You are not a threat for me." Exchange something that you know takes away the the sense of dangers from both sides. So I think, you know, you need to do that. Otherwise, you leave the interaction to, uh, you know, the, the, the chances. Instead, if you kind of like uh, uh, bow to them, you know, be grateful for them to show up, recognize also the fact there are forms of intelligence, you know, uh, you know, with that spirit, with that openness, I think you can then start engaging with them and even asking questions who you are why you are here, where you are, you know, you can kind of like start establishing those connections. The problem with smoking DMT is that the experience is too short so and often too violent. So I feel that people are scared or scared away from the entities because they don't have time to establish this kind of connection I'm talking about. So that's why I prefer ayahuasca because through the guts, it kind of like opens to another emotional dimension that goes along with the mental one so you feel things more than you just see them and and i think many of those like kind of like say question marks on how to interact with, the, with these entities are no longer relevant because you have the time to explore the space and feel it and you know and and in a way that uh, is hard to do with uh, the quick uh, trip of uh, the DMT smoke yes and um, you know like our friend Anton Bilton I sponsored a clinical trial at the Imperial College of London where they give DMT with the anesthetic machine intravenous up to 1 hour so for people that are curious I will put here on the show notes an interview with Graham Hancock, and I forgot his name now, the, the guy who actually invented this technology, and they interviewed four or five psychonauts that went under the extended state DMT, and they all report encounter with different entities, different nature, 
and um, Alexander Biner was one of the um, one of the volunteer. He actually suggested this um, sort of a training to meet the entity, which has to do with preparing your own body, but also, you know, living um, radical integrity. So this is a it's a complicated topic, but you know, even uh, Dr. King was saying that you know there is a moral. There is, he was saying, the moral arc of the universe. It very is very wide, but it exists. Like in the structure of society of the cosmos, there is a sense of what is right and what is wrong. So if 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 morality is a fundamental part of the structure of reality, is it possible that if we lead our life in in integrity and in uh, moral conduct, do we have better access to this uh, spirit world? So I want to comment upon uh, something first. So, so this is another example of, of the discovery doctrine applied uh, to this in very interesting experiment, by the way, of, of like intravenous DMT. Because the she people, they know, they know the, these entities by name. You know, they, they tell you, you know, the simpi, the simpibo, you know, they have a whole cosmovision for these beings that you see in, in the world. So, you know, it would be interesting. I don't know if they're going to be open, but it would be interesting to have a, a very experienced uh, uh, Shipibo shaman uh, be the person who uh, leads this experiment. But this is always a difficulty for uh, the people who do these kind of experiments to understand. This is number one. The other thing is that when I, I say about... Uh, Ethical. When I talk about, uh, let's say, the moral aspect of, of the experience, I don't want to give uh, a sense that there is a way of being that is completely ethical. I think each one of us has uh, the good and the bad, and I think even the Shipibo, you know, they know that that uh, uh, you know the the experience brings you in front of uh, you know temptation continuously to act out of a space of ethics. And uh, at the same time, you know, as part of your intention, you need to be able to choose, you know, the way of light. But it doesn't mean that you don't experience, you know, uh, the dark part of yourself. I, I think it's very important to understand that uh, Shipibo shamans are not gurus, you know. Actually, they don't even tell you that they are. They 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 like to uh, be represented as as anacondas and jaguars. So those are like they themselves tell you we are predators in this uh, world of the spirit. You know, we are warriors. We are, but at the same time, we kind of need to sacrifice this impulse of the self in order for our community to uh, benefit, to live in health. So I think it's important to understand the shamanic journey as something that you, you take to explore your darkness and uh, hopefully to reaffirm that it's better to go the other way. You know, and, and to me, it happened personally. You know, I, I went very deep once. I kind of overdosed with mushroom. I take nine grams by myself, you know, uh, without knowing. I started eating these chocolates and I had a very, very, very intense and long uh, trip that actually also damaged my liver. So you guys be, be careful of these things. So, but when I went there all the way to the border in between 
the living and the dead, this experience that I had, you know, I was in front of a question. Do you want to live or do you want to stay down here? And I think in that moment, I decided that I wanted to reemerge from this trip, you know, and I wanted to reemerge from this space of madness I had access and, and, and as an affirmative action, I kind of like start climbing back up on a sound that was coming from, from reality. And, and I, I kind of like went back to surface. So I think to go back, I think we have the choice. We have the choice, you know, even in, in, in the, in the most uh, overwhelming psychedelic experience, I think we, we end up in front of a choice on what we want to do with it. And I invite all of you who listen to uh, don't focus too much on your own self, that sometimes is a way of overthink about your own problems and kind of find a way to put yourself at service of a larger cause, whatever that is, you know. Uh, and, and I think that is going to be the best way of integrating the 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 psychedelic experience and probably also the first step to build a, a society that is more empathic it's less uh, com- driven by competition and is more uh, about you know uh, coming together yes that's a great advice um i just would like to conclude with um, this idea of mine that i've been thinking recently is that, you know, like, for example, you know, as you know, there is a couple of um, church, ayahuasca church that can serve the medicine legal, legally around the world, the Santo Diamond and Union de Vegetal. So if you are part of that church, you know, you buy in that con- Cosmovision, which is different variation of animism, but, you know, they have specific set of belief and values. If you do ayahuasca with the Shibibo, you take their Cosmovision, the Kashinawa, the Kogi, the... Um, you know, the diff- different country, different tribes. But now that people will start taking the sacrament in, in American hospital and clinic, um, which cosmovision, I mean, I, I hear what you say. Say, listen, you don't need to understand. You can just embrace the mystery, put yourself in service. You don't need to understand. You don't need to have the explanation of that entity, this other entity. But for many people, especially my, my generation, which has really developed this intellect to make sense of the world, you know, to have a little booklet of, you know, the third millennium uh, hospital psychedelic set of beliefs would be something useful, you know, for people to, you know, as part of the spiritual integration, you know, and, and developing a relationship with this sacred design, with this with this, you know, intelligent design, if you don't want to use the word sacred. And this level of knowledge and understanding, I think, would have positive ripple effect on reducing the ego and creating this sense of community, you know. So, yeah, that's my so, thought. <laughs> so, again, I want to I want to reply by uh, evoking Shipibo patterns, you know, this kind of network of uh, of the of designs, you know, that uh, the Shipibo kind of like uh, uh, paint over any available media. So, I think that evokes a almost like the feedback of consciousness. It's kind of like a neural system and maybe 
it is a pre-semantic, pre-linguistic uh, form of intelligence. Imagine, I don't know, a baby in, in, the, in, in the belly before being born, dreaming. You know, I'm Im imagining that kind of language, a language made of like connection. At the same time, this network is a web. It's almost like a fishnet that captures symbols and 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 letters and concepts in a very permeable way so i don't think you need to have a, a unique cosmovision because i think there is space for a multi-layered one i think you can coexist if you are a christian you can have your christianity coexist with uh, these other ideas uh, as long as you Keep your mind open and you don't make of your faith a blind, you know. So, so I like to use my Shipibo patterns to go fish, you know, and then, you know, I kind of like get all these uh, little elements from my emotional memory, from ideas, from other dimensions, and I kind of like put them all together in a soup. And, and with that, uh, I live my life healthy. <laughs> amazing, amazing. So let's conclude, since you mentioned the Shipibo pattern. So um, you represent a bunch of Shipibo artists. Where are they exhibiting now? It's a very exciting moment. Uh, you know, the Western art world is uh, rediscovering uh, indigenous practitioners. So at this moment, there are like four shows that I can mention of the artists that we represent. Shonon Ben Show with an incredible uh, solo show at W Gallery in Buenos Aires. I don't know how many of you are in Buenos Aires, but the show is stunning. Then in New York City, we have Sarah Flores and Celia Vasquez Yui at Clearing at 260 Bowery, just in front of the new museum. Again, just a couple of years ago, it would have been impossible to imagine, you know, a center gallery in Manhattan in the peak of art season with September is like prime time opening with two Shipibo artists. And then at the Johnson at Cornell University Museum, another large exhibition by Celia Vasquez Yui. So, uh, and, and then more in Europe, actually, we are about to, Sarah Flores is going to be December 12 opening at White Cube in Paris and uh, a large exhibition about uh, not only Shipibo, but about uh, mm, visionary art from the Amazon is opening on November 14 in Paris at Musée de Coibranly. Perfect, perfect. And um, we're going to put all these dates and these names on the show notes. Thank you so much, Matteo. Your um, passion and, uh, and knowledge come through. We're going to do another episode about colonization and reciprocity. And uh, yeah, Matteo Norzi, guys. Thank you. Love to everybody. Thank you, Giancarlo. I love you. Thank you. Coca sunarai sunarai en ti 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 Coca sunarai sunarai en ti